And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone! A two-run home run! The Brewers take the lead! Nobody on the road. Nobody on the beach. What's up, friends? Welcome to episode number three of Terrace Talk. Uh, we have uh, a special uh, Wednesday night episode here for you. Um, kind of worked out in our favor this time. Uh, we actually got some moves on Monday and Tuesday that are worth talking about. So um, typically we'll do the show every Sunday uh, and release either Sunday night or Monday morning. Um, I just had a, a trip a vacation that I had planned, so we just decided to hold off a few days here. But anyways, we're back. Uh, please give us a follow. We're on uh, Apple now. Um, along with all the other major podcast uh, formats, um, rate us five stars, or you know, if you want to rate lower than that, you know, don't just don't. leave some solid comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, some constructive criticism um, potentially. Uh, but anyways, we got a lot of Brewers news um, this last uh, ten days since we did it. Our last pod was the day of the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Um, it seems like forever ago, um, and the Brewers had like five transactions that we'll be able to uh, to talk about here. Uh, but first, let's uh, let's talk about this. Um, we we were throwing a fit on Twitter. We were really hoping to get Justin Turner. Um, he resigns with the Dodgers at two years, thirty-four million. I know Mitchell uh, was briefly super pumped because uh, a trade the Dodgers made previous to that that which kind of led us to believe for a second that uh, they weren't going to be in play for Turner. But ends up um, he might have been using the Brewers as a as a bargaining chip. Um, so we don't get our guy. Um, but, uh, Mitch, what do you have on that? <laughs> yeah, I thought when, um, the Dodgers had traded for, um, they're, they're kind of, he's a 26 year old third baseman. The A's were playing him at second just because he was blocked by Matt Chapman. I thought that maybe there was a chance there that, you know, they were starting to get the hunch that Turner would be leaving, um, to come to Milwaukee because it was kind of mentioned that it was down to those two teams. And, I had started creating memes and finding memes of Justin Turner walking downtown uh, near the art building and the hype was, was fully there to only be uh, heartbroken to see he was going back to LA. So obviously it's frustrating, but you know, the Brewers have made some moves here now in the last seven days where I think we're, we're getting ready to um, roll with what we got and it should be a competitive spring. Um, looking forward to the guys competing and hopefully someone can step up at third and fill that production that we were kind of hoping that Justin Turner would take. So, yeah, for sure. And I think I was going to start off with the, the Brad Anderson signing, but since we're already talking about third base, um, let's just jump into uh, to Travis Shaw right away. So this news broke um, last night uh, where basically we, we signed Travis Shaw to uh, a minor league deal invite and, um, 
with $1.5 million deal. And if he makes the team, um, there's another a million and a half in incentives that he could hit throughout the year. Um, I know you guys were pretty pumped up about this, just kind of uh, the potential rebound of him. Obviously, it was awesome for the Brewers in 2017, 2018, hitting uh, 30 home runs in back-to-back seasons. And we got the we got the mayor of Ding Dong City back. So um, what are your thoughts on his chances of actually making this team and uh, winning that third base job or at least a platoon spot um, with the club breaking spring training? Yeah, you know, um, I mean, it's interesting. I didn't think that he would want to come back and play for Milwaukee. I mean, he kind of went out on a bad note. Um, I know there was some tweets going around, said some questionable things. Uh, kind of, it, like, it was like through his agent, kind of like some bad yeah. stuff, but it's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I had. It's funny that that we mentioned him, and and I think the relationship that he has with Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain. Um, maybe have helped there. I know those three were really co- close. And, and for those of you that do know me, um, I'm uh, about the leader of the Travis Shaw train. I had met him a time in Minnesota, um, which was a interesting moment for me. But um, that's why you'll always see me uh, tweeting a picture of Travis Shaw throwing up the deuces um, anytime he has a, has a big hit. But I do think there is some optimism here. I was talking with some people on Twitter about this. Um, obviously, his numbers were way down for us in 2019, and, and they were decent when he spent time in Toronto last year. Um, but if there is some optimism for Travis Shaw as to why I think he can win that third base job is, as we talk about, Travis Shaw is a guy that when he does barrel the baseball, he puts it in with a big time exit velocity. I mean, he is um, he's, he's up there for his exit, just exit velocity in general, and the second half of last year, he saw his K percentage drop down to 25%. Um, when he was with Milwaukee in 2019, that was up closer to 40%. Um, so it seems to be there's a trend there when he, he has his K percentage under control, his OPS and some of his other statistics go way up. So he ended the year last year with Toronto with an 821 OPS in the last two months of the year. So there's definitely some optimism there. If he can consistently sit in that mid 20 K percentage range, I think we, we see a big time bounce back year for Travis and that picture will be floating around Twitter, uh, hopefully all year. Yeah, I think it, I think it, uh, there's reason for some optimism. Um, I guess we'll see 2020, he played 50 games at the Blue Jays, hit 243 with six bombs. I mean, that's like, <laughs> that would have been the Brewers four hole in the, in the playoff game, considering we had Ryan Healy there last year. So <laughs> nothing to, uh, to totally scoff at in a 60 game season. So he, he got some consistent playing time there and it'll be interesting. I mean, this makes for one of the more interesting storylines of the spring. Um, the, the corner infield spots really with Keston learning a new position and then um, kind of a three-way battle, the, depending on how you look at it, at third base with it like Luis Urias and even in a JS online article I saw with Council and Tom Hardicar today mentioned Orlando Arcia seeing some time at third base in the spring um, and then Robertson and Shaw. So that the third base and uh, the left side of the infield, you know, all those spots are pretty much up for grab for opening day starts. Ideally, you hope that of those four, it just breeds competition to the point that someone steps up, you know, with Travis Shaw's deal being uh, NRI and highly incentivized deal, like you said, it could be up to 3 million. I'm hoping that 
that has him super motivated um, to have yeah. a good year this year with us. Yeah, for sure. And um, I don't know if we can expect, you know, another 30 home run season. And like in 2017, he had like two close to 280. He was, was he an all-star? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he was, he was a big piece of those very good teams um, for the Brewers the last few years. So hopefully he kind of refines that magic in a comfortable place um, for him and uh, can, can contribute and win that job in spring or at least be a part of the equation there. Boss, you have any thoughts on the way that's going to play out at third base? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a battle for sure. I mean, it's good competition for him. I'm only one stat from Shaw kind of jumps out to me from 17, 18 to 19, his launch angle changed like almost up to 25 degrees. I know that's kind of when the big push of like MLB and everyone was talking about launch angle and that was kind of the talk of the town. So I don't know if he was trying to make tweaks with that and he just kind of struggled and couldn't, couldn't find his way out of it. I mean, he was still hitting the ball hard and still barreling it, but he was yeah. just striking out a shit ton. So I don't know if he got yeah right. into the numbers or what. And to be exact, you know, Mitch was talking about this a, a little earlier, but he was in the 82nd percentile in exit velo and 78th percentile in hard hit rate last year. So, like you said, if you can just put a little bit more bat to the ball, um, it can make for uh, a decent signing here. Um, another note real quick before we get to Brett Anderson, um, the Brewers have until March 15th um, to either add him to the roster. And at that point, if they decide not to, he can uh, he can be released at that point. So. They're going to have uh, only about two and a half weeks worth of games to to decide what they're going to do there. Um, and with the extra roster spot, I think my guess at this rate is that that he'll crack the opening day roster. Um, so I guess we'll we'll see. Time will tell. We only got about a month before that comes about. So um, quick. I yeah. think it's worth noting to Hanson is that if Travis Shaw makes the team, it'll be interesting to see what they do with. Uh, Vogelbach with you know Shaw being able to play first yep. he's kind of the left-handed side of that platoon offensively I, I just kind of feel like all these moves we've been talking about the last couple of weeks I feel like Vogelbach's the odd man out which is interesting because that you know 1.4 million that we signed him to for arbitration I feel like is going to be dead money but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, the best talent on on the field. So I wonder if there's a I wonder if there's a team out there in the AL that would be interested in taking a flyer and we could get something in return for a Vogelbach trade. I'm sure David Stearns has been on the phone with a handful of teams looking at that. That whole signing from the get go, we, you know, we must have been dead set that there was going to be a DH this year for right. for Stearns to do that. You would think that like Robertson and Shaw both have the upper hand on him and he would have to rake during spring just because they can play multiple positions. Um, and in Shaw's case can play first base on the opposite end of, of Keston. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of spring storylines that are coming from these signings um, in the last couple of days. So that's good. We're acquiring depth. Um, you need all these guys throughout uh, the full season. So uh, that kind of brings us to uh, to 33-year-old left-handed starting pitcher, Brett Anderson, um, who we signed to a major league deal, one year, $2.5 million, million dollars in incentives. Um, and this guy, you know, we were <laughs> we, we signed him to a one-year, $5 million deal last year, and we were kind of clowning him after his first couple starts. Like, when he comes to the hill, he, some people might roll their eyes, and then you're like, okay, this guy's – kind of like Wade Miley-esque where he doesn't do anything really that well. Um, 
but he just kind of is a gamer and gets the job done when he is on the mound. Um, so I know Mitch, you had a, a tweet about his ground ball, right? And how Wong's defense would, would help it out. What, a, what are your thoughts on bringing Brett Anderson back? I think it just helps the, the depth of the starting rotation. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and we have, I, I think later in the show, we'll get into our rotation and, and talk about that depth, but he's just another good arm. Um, to eat up innings. Uh, you mentioned the ground ball, right? And I had tweeted this um, last year. And again, it was very limited innings for him. He's, he's been having problems staying on the field um, with, with injuries the last couple of years. So he didn't qualify for innings to be considered uh, in the league leaders for arms, but he did post a 57.7% ground ball rate. Um, and for those not obviously um, stat nerds, 57.7% ground ball rate would have finished third in all of baseball for qualified arms. Um, and, you know, with adding a guy like Colton Wong, who is a every year gold glover, I mean, if the middle of the infield and just the infield in general is solid, um, if Anderson's generating a lot of ground balls, that's, you know, a good sign for, um, for us and, and hopefully he can eat up those innings and, and keep runners off base and the defense can make plays behind him. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I love these, uh, these crafty lefties, you know, Wade Miley express was one of my favorite players a couple years ago. Um, <laughs> has, has nothing to do with the pitcher you were in college, right? Yeah. Yeah. The average, uh, division three pitcher. Yep. Um, that's why. Um, but, uh, yeah, Brett Anderson was 90th percentile in walk percentage, um, and this is this is pretty funny. He was ninth in A percentage and eighth in whiff percentage. Um, so the ball will be in play. Um, you won't be bored watching Brett Anderson uh, pitch. So, <laughs> and I think it honestly something like this makes sense. Um, a lot of GMs and managers are coming out the last couple of days as these teams report, and everyone the the big question marks are how they're going to manage. Uh, these pitchers innings coming off the short season like this. So we now have seven guys who can, you know, we'll talk about Jordan Zimmerman too, but seven guys that you can put in a major league rotation and even throw Suter in there sometimes that you feel decent about. And there's going to be injuries that pop up and you can piggyback some of these guys to kind of save innings, whether it be, um, you know, Anderson go followed by Peralta or, um, Lindblom flower by Lauer. It's those got different looks that you can vary going left to right and, and so forth. So, uh, boss, you have any, any thoughts on our, our guy, Brett Anderson here? Yeah. I mean, he's one of those guys that just pounds his own. Um, it's interesting last year, he threw his fastball like way less than, um, his career average, which is like 20, 30%. He threw a ton of sinkers. Um, he just gets in trouble when he kind of nitpicks around the zone. Um, I know you made a mention that he, the ball's always in play. Um, so I don't know if he's going to make some, if he's going to stick with not throwing his fastball and just be one of those junk ballers. But uh, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, I know we, yeah. we definitely clowned him in the beginning of the year, but he threw some solid innings for us last year. So I, hopefully he could just kind of get us there. Um, keep us alive around the fourth, fifth inning. Cause Council's MO is, you know, get through those innings and then turn it over to the pen. It's been that way for the last like three or four years. Um yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll depend on our, our two guys with Woody and uh, Burns, and then you hope that Hauser and Lindblom step up, and we'll go over a little bit of that uh, later on in the show. But uh, definitely nice to have this depth. Uh, one note I did have on this, it kind of it was weird to me. I think there's like a familiarity factor here, but 
Uh, Rich Hill getting the same exact deal from the Rays was a little strange. I mean, I think um, the baseball industry as a whole would prefer in a one one year deal um, having Rich Hill over Brett Anderson. So I wonder if we were ever in on on Rich Hill and if we weren't, what the reasoning could be behind it. Um, but uh, that that was something that stuck out to me. And um, obviously, I would personally have uh, rather have Rich Hill. But we got our guy Brett Anderson back and. Um, maybe continuity is, is sometimes key in those situations. So um, it's a good deal, in my opinion. You can't really go wrong with a, a one-year contract like that. Uh, cool. Um, so this was a kind of a surprising uh, little trade here. I'm not sure how much of an effect this will have as far as opening day roster, but it will definitely add some competition for that fourth outfield spot and another thing to watch this spring. Uh, the Brewers acquired uh, outfielder, left-handed hitter, uh, Derek Fisher from the Blue Jays, who's a 27-year-old, um, been a backup outfielder in his time with the Astros and Blue Jays. Um, and it, it seemed kind of uh, redundant with Billy McKinney, who's already on the 40-man roster and um, would probably put up a fight for that fourth outfield spot. Um, you, did you guys have any thoughts on this? Is this something that excites any of you? I know he's a, when he got called up by the Strohs the first time, he was a top 75 prospect. So there is a little pedigree there with him. Uh, you think we're trying to grasp on to hope of that, you know, late prospect hype, or is this just uh, a deal that we'll forget about in a couple of weeks? Yeah. I mean, I'm not really sure. I mean, I didn't personally didn't know who he was when we signed him. Honestly, I was like, who the hell's that guy? But, um, I mean, what, he's only been in the league since 2017. Um, doesn't really look like he got that much opportunity yet. Um, so maybe he's one of those guys. I know you mentioned that he might be a late bloomer, but, uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah. He, he's a guy that if he can get his strikeout rate under control uh, in 2018 for the Astros, his strikeout percentage was almost 50%. And I, <laughs> He recorded 80 at bats, so he <laughs> struck out 40 times in 80 at bats. So if we can get that under control, but yeah, I think I think the big thing is is just, and you're starting to see it across a lot of positions, is they're adding depth and they're trying to create competition in spring, and I think that's great. I mean, we want guys that are you know fringe MLB guys where they're like, hey, you know, I really need to perform to make the team. So um, it'll be interesting to see between him. And, you know, McKinney as to who or where they go from that fourth outfield spot. I know Tyrone Taylor is still there. Um, so there's some options that are fighting for that fourth spot. Um, I do want to mention, and not to diverge from what we're talking about, but we have some breaking news in baseball, which is massive. Uh, Tatis Jr. just signed a 14-year, $340 million extension. So good for the Padres and get your chicken tendies, uh, Tatis. He got the bag. Shit. <laughs> Oh my God. Yep. That is, uh, that just broke. I wanted to yell it, but we were balls deep in, uh, Brett Anderson talk. <laughs> yeah. Brett Anderson takes, uh, takes over Tatis in our eyes. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, yeah, another one last thing on Derek Fisher. Uh, he's a former Madison Mallard. Um, so he's got some Wisconsin ties. He was a Northwoods league all-star, uh, back in, I believe 2015 with the Mallards. So uh, maybe that magical summer he had in Madison will correlate to a magical summer for the Milwaukee Brewers this year. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, there's there's a handful of candidates for that fourth outfield spot. Uh, Billy McKinney, Tyrone Taylor, 
um, Corey Ray, if he ever does anything. <laughs> <laughs> I One note on Corey Ray, uh, Keith Law, like, rated our top prospects. And he basically said that, like, there's never been a more baffling, like, prospect than Corey Ray with how highly he had him rated with how poor his production has been. Um, so unfortunately, you know, unless things turn around majorly for him, it looks like we struck out with that uh, number five overall pick that year. <laughs> and that seemed like a home run pick too. Uh, it seemed like the, the safe play at the time, but uh, yeah, so there's, uh, there's that. Um, cool. So now we got uh, Brad Boxberger, um, who we signed to a minor league deal as well. Um, this is a 32-year-old bullpen arm. A um, couple notes on him. Uh, 2018, he, still, he had 32 saves for the Diamondbacks. Uh, 2015, he was an all-star with the Rays, had a really nice first half, um, had 41 saves that year. Um, you know, he pitched for Miami last year, was solid, um, 18 innings, three ERA. Um, he has a career 3.56 earned run average. Um, I think this guy uh, has a chance to make the team and uh, contribute, actually. I mean, um, our bullpen's pretty loaded, but I think we are missing maybe a veteran or two that's been there before. Uh, we have a ton of young power arms. Um, so it's another guy that adds depth and uh, will give – uh, some more spring training competition. Um, you guys have anything on this? I mean, it's not it's not sexy by any means, but um, it's another one of those Stearns deals that we might look back in a couple of months and be like, holy shit, like Boxberger's setting up the seventh inning or something like that and his dice and people. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you make a pretty good point about uh, those big saviors. I mean, it, show, it shows that he's there at the end of the game, the ball's in his hand. So, I mean, I really think he elongates our pen if he can kind of put it together. Um, another one of those kind of veteran leaders that we'll have um, with all those young arms, which you stated. But uh, I guess just kind of wait and see as, as of right now. Right. It goes back to that comment about competition. I mean, I think our bullpen, I think we all can agree that if we have one strength outside of maybe Woodruff and Corbin, it's, it's our bullpen. So uh, the more arms we can get in there competing for spots, uh, the better. So I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, like we said, we have a lot of young power arms with high ceilings, um, but at the same time, they're going to go through bumps in the road as well. So maybe a guy like this is, you know, a good experience, been there um, for when our young guys struggle. Yeah, one note on him, um, looking at baseball savant, he was 90th percentile in fastball spin. Um, so he does have one of those elite traits um, as a pitcher. So who knows, maybe we can work something with him and he could be effective this year. Um, and then lastly, um, on this uh, laundry list of moves, um, this kind of got some people hyped. I don't know. I'm, I'm not too excited about it, but I guess we'll see. We got uh, Wisconsin native and Stevens Point legend uh, Jordan Zimmerman on a minor league deal. Uh, this is a 34-year-old pitcher who was a two-time All-Star um, back in 2013 and 2014, uh, but he hasn't really been effective since 2015. Um, so this is, uh, this is one of those flyers here. He said that he has some left in the tank and wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be trying to make a major league roster if he didn't think he could do it anymore. Um, so we'll, we'll see what we have in him, and I'm assuming – He'll get some starts in spring to kind of see if he's uh, a guy that it's worth having on the 26th man when we break camp. Yeah. Competition does, does weird stuff. You know, I mean, having him around, I mean, he's going to be competing his ass off to try and make crack the 
crack the roster. So probably a light of lights and fires under some guys' asses and hopefully it, hopefully it works out for him. You know, I mean, he's a Wisconsin boy and we, everyone roots for Wisconsin people. So it'd be interesting. You got anything, Mitch? Yeah, no, I just, you know, he, he hasn't pitched well and we're going on six years now. So, um, you know, like you guys said, hope, hopefully his comments about, you know, how he feels like he still has something left in the tank pitching at home, um, you know, for his, his team that he grew up cheering for um, spark something and he can be a innings eater for us um, as well. So. Yeah, and I, I read something today that he's going to change the, you know, completely change his style of pitching. He used to have that mid-90s fastball that he could blow by people. And obviously with Detroit, uh, that didn't work due to injuries and age. Um, so he's going to change to more of a sinker changeup combination pitcher. Um, so I guess uh, in spring training, we'll get a, a good look at him and um, see if he has a chance to, uh, like I said, to crack that roster and provide more depth. Um, cool. Well, let's take a quick stop here and then we'll come back in uh, just one moment. All right. So in other Brewers news, um, they announced their, uh, the new TV deal here. Um, no financials were announced, um, which seems, uh, seems fitting with the Brewers here, but uh, we got FS Wisconsin back. Um, it, it will eventually be rebranded to the uh, Bali Sports Network. Is it, I don't know if it's Bali or Bali or, or what it is, but apparently it's a new uh, regional sports network. Uh, this will be the 24th season that the Brewers are with, uh, with Fox Sports Wisconsin. And we are bringing back what, in my opinion, is one of the best booths in baseball um, between Brian Anderson, uh, The Rock, um, and then the folks that fill in for BA, Matt LaPay and Jeff Levering, um, and along with uh, Sophia Miniart. So um, I'm excited. Um, there's some cord cutters that are upset uh, that this isn't on YouTube TV. I personally had to, uh, to make the switch to AT&T TV uh, to stream our brewers this summer. Um, but we're getting all of our guys back and females. Uh, shout out to Sophia, one of the best uh, sideline reporters in the game, in my opinion. Um, but this is exciting. Uh, we knew we were up for a new TV deal. It's good to know that um, our summers uh, will stay on par and we'll have the same voices for three hours a night for 162 days out of the year. So what are you guys' thoughts on this? This isn't really all that surprising, to be honest. I mean, it's still exciting to get our guys back yeah. and girl. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, when you watch other games, even like ESPN Saturday Night Baseball, you just, I mean, you hear A-Rod and Mendoza and you kind of take for granted of how good our broadcast team is. Um, I mean, Sophia is great. She can, she's bilingual. So we kind of yeah, speak to Orlando and Narvaez and actually have yeah. like conversations with them um, through Sophia. So, I mean, that's exciting. Yeah, and I think it goes without being said. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious at this point that Brian Anderson is one of the premier talents in broadcasting um, with the opportunities that he gets to do the NCAA basketball tournament and uh, deep into the NBA playoffs. And then to be able to sub him in with uh, Badger sports legend Matt LaPay and uh, Jeff Levering, who does a lot of the radio nowadays, um, we're pretty fortunate. Uh, like you said, I, I invested in MLB TV for the first time last summer and had the opportunity to check out a lot of different broadcasts. And, um, you know, this could be a biased take, but I think we have uh, by far and away the, the best booth in the, the MLB. So it's exciting for sure that way. 
Yeah, and one financial note too. The last deal that we had was over a span of seven years, 2013 through 2020, uh, for a total of 28 million. I would venture to guess that number will go up just with, you know, as time moves on, things get more expensive and things like that. I was trying to ballpark some other 2020 deals for small market teams. Uh, the Royals just signed a six-year deal last year for 44 million. So that's uh, quite a bit more over a, you know, span of a year less. So I would suspect that that Brewers deal will be at least north of 40 million, which again, that's additional revenue. And we talk so much about being a small market team. Um, those extra dollars will be huge, especially having an owner that's proving even if he is in a small market that he's willing to spend. So good news all around. Yeah. And it's, it seemed weird to me. Aren't most of these things, aren't there usually financials announced immediately? Or I, I'm curious back in 2013, if the financials were announced or is that something that comes out later on? Yeah, I, I do not know the answer to that question. That's something that's interesting. Yeah, it seemed like they just announced that there was a deal. They didn't say the term. They didn't say the amount. It was just, we've reached an agreement. Um, yeah. all we heard. Yeah, and then uh, Rick uh, Schlesinger, that's a tongue twister. Can't really say his last name. The Brewers president of Business Ops said that uh, you could expect a spring training broadcast and uh, regular season broadcast schedule by um, it sounds like the end of this week. So hopefully we got a, a good display of spring training games as, you know, obviously we'll be interested. And I think a lot of Brewers nation is starting to get pretty pumped up about um, this year's team. You know, the Bucks uh, just started letting fans in the doors uh, yesterday. Um, so it's exciting to have the opportunity, whether it's 20%, 30, whatever they start out at, um, to have the ability to have some fans in the stands will make quite a difference uh, for our team, I think. Cool. Anything else on that, guys? I think that's uh, pretty simple. We're just bringing back the, the booth, staying on the same channel for now. I think you can expect a rebrand um, that begins sometime soon. I'm not sure when that announced, but um, cool. Good stuff. Let's see what else we got here. Um, MLB news uh, this week. Um, we'll start with stuff that happened in the division. Uh, Cubs have been pretty active, and I think they've uh, they've added some wins to their team. To be to be frank here, um, they got Jake Arrieta um, and Brandon Workman this week, and then uh, Jed Hoyer kind of put a halt to all of the Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo rumors. Um, which they were probably in trade talks and they didn't find anything they liked. So now he's just saying that they never happened. Um, so uh, that's, that's the way I take it. But uh, Mitch, I know you had some thoughts on Arietta um, going back to the Cubs. Uh, what do you got on that? Yeah, I thought he was a good bounce back candidate. Um, he ran into some bad luck in terms of BAP last year. I thought that, I mean, they ended up giving money to Brett Anderson. I know Arietta's deal was a lot larger, but I thought that would be a, a good arm for us. I think in our first episode, that was a prediction that I had had. Um, so it's a good pickup for the Cubs. I hope Cubs fans don't suspect or expect uh, Jake Arietta to be the 2015-2016 Cy Young candidate Ari Arietta. I mean, he's lost his ability to strike guys out the way he was, but I think it's a good addition for them. And just one other thing on the Cubs, it's Interesting because they clear a lot of cap space next year. I think right now they're set for about 180, 170 million on the books. And next year they're down to uh, it's under a hundred. So they have a lot of guys to sign to extensions and some guys are probably going to let walk. So Chris Bryant could be another name that comes back up um, at the trade deadline, trade deadline if the Cubs are out of it. So be interesting to watch. 
hopefully they're out of it. Yeah, yeah for future. sure. And I, sorry, go ahead, boss. Future Milwaukee Brewer, uh, Chris Bryant. Just <laughs> add that in there. <laughs> yeah, no, we can all dream. Um, yeah, I think the Cubs, I, I, I hope, uh, you know, Brewer fans and NL Central fans aren't expecting them to completely bottom out. I mean, they're, they're still going to be competitive. They got a pretty solid lineup, especially if they can get any production from their star players uh, that they haven't got recently. Um, their pitching is still suspect. Um, their bullpen is suspect. Uh, they need some performances from a lot of soft tossers in the rotation, um, but uh, they can still compete. I think Pakoda um, projections had them second behind the Milwaukee Brewers and ahead of the Cardinals actually. Um, so the NL Central could be pretty wonky this uh, this summer. So they're they're not dead by any means, although they are uh, kind of in a, a brief rebuild, I suppose, because they gave away Darvish for a bunch of teenagers um, and made some other new <laughs> moves like that. Um, but yeah, you, you guys have any anything else on that? I mean, we kind of touched on their their additions there. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of hit it on the head or their pitching's pretty suspect. With Hendricks and Davies at the top of their rotation, most likely. Um, Alex Mills. Alex Mills, also another former Madison Mallard who threw a new hitter against us last year. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> was, we'll, forget, we'll forget about that one. Yeah, he was pretty much terrible every other game, and he was a Cy Young pitcher against us. Yeah, yeah, he might be one of those. He might be a future Stephen Brawl type guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cool. You know, you know, a team that is having an awesome off season and could surprise some people in the AL Central um, is the Kansas City Royals. I love them going out and getting Carlos Santana. They have a lot of exciting young pitchers there, um, and then they trade for Andrew Benatendi, who I think is a, a prime bounce back candidate. Um, and he'll probably hit at the top of that Royals lineup. And if he gets back into form, I mean, that could be a huge, huge move for them. So. Um, you guys have any thoughts on that move? I mean, it was a guy, whenever he came up, I was like, damn, I really wish the Brewers could be in on, on something like that. Um, yeah, they have a lot of good young arms to uh, Brady Singer who pitched at Florida and was pretty electric there and kind of bursted onto the scene last year. And they have yeah. a really solid farm system. Um, I don't think we'll see Bobby Witt Jr. this year, but he's a pretty much top 10 prospect in all of baseball. And then, they have a bunch of arms behind him that are also top 100 guys or fringe top 100 uh, prospects. So, yeah, I mean, I was, I'm glad you mentioned the Royals because everyone talks about the White Sox and the twins and uh, the Royals are definitely coming for sure. Yeah. They, they seem to be like a pretty smart organization. I mean, when you're in a small market, like they, they kind of deal with the same things that the brewers do, I suppose. And you kind of have to make your runs and waves. Um, and they kind of bottomed out for a couple years, but I think they'll be back in the playoff hunt in a few years here. Obviously, White Sox will be the class of that division, but they might put up some years where they surprise some people there. Um, yeah, and, and Brady Singer is one of my favorite non-brewers to watch. I watched a lot of him last summer, um, and he's, he's pretty electric. So exciting stuff in Kansas City. It's good to see some of those small market teams making moves like that. Um, James Pax Paxton uh, returns to the Mariners. Um, I added this in here, and we're not going to touch on every MLB move, but this was a guy who I thought, you know, maybe the Brewers make a run at, at a one-year, like $8.5 million deal that he signed. Um, ultimately, it was 
probably a little bit more than we would be comfortable paying. Um, but good situation. He is comfortable in Seattle um, and produced his best years there. Um, you guys have anything on that real quick? He is just an interesting candidate to be a, if uh, he pitches well in the first half. My guess with him signing a one-year deal and the Mariners just not ready to compete yet, he may be a name that flies around at the trade deadline. Um, it would be interesting to see if we just, you know, things in our rotation don't work out. Lindblom doesn't bounce back the way we're hoping he, he does. Say Brett Anderson takes a step back. Be interesting to see if we'd be in the market for a rotation arm, and I think James Paxton's name could come up. Was he hurt quite a bit last year? A little bit. He just really struggled with pitching in New York too. And I mean, I think that's another thing pointing out is some people just can't handle the New York spotlight. Um, so I would suspect if he stays healthy, that he goes back to potentially old James Paxton as to what he yeah. was before mm -hmm. he went to well, New York and could be a hot name at the deadline. Yeah. And if you're a pitcher, I mean, New York um, is not a fun place to pitch to begin with at that short porch and right. Um, and then that division is arguably, uh, it might've changed over this off season, but is also not a very fun division to, to pitch in and against. Um, so I would suspect that his numbers improve going to a more uh, pitcher friendly park in Seattle um, and facing a, a little bit lesser competition out West. Um, you know, you still have a, a couple solid teams out there, but the A's are going through like the ultimate rebuild right now. And, same with the Rangers. Um, so I see those guys a lot. All right, cool. Um, there's more, there's more news. Uh, nothing really that affects the, the NL central a whole lot. And am I missing anything super important? Uh, it's, there's a lot of mid tier moves that happened over the last 10 days. Yeah. Nothing that I can think of that's probably worth talking about. Yeah, and you mentioned it earlier. I'm curious to see if the Brewers are done adding um, for now. Uh, you know, we were talking uh, earlier during the day today about maybe there's another bullpen arm that we can add. Um, but this could be the, the team that we're going to head into spring with and that we're going to choose our 26 guys from. Um, you know, there's guys like Shane Green and uh, Jeremy Jeffress that could potentially be a fit. Um, I don't think we're going to add any more starting pitching and I would assume not any more position players with the log jams that we've created. So um, this, this might be it. Right. I would think the only thing that it would take would be a trade of some sorts. I mean, if someone would be last minute panic, they're going to throw us the haul for Josh Hader. Maybe that's something. And then they look to actually sign a reliever on top of that, but I don't think there's any really any good chance of that happening. Yeah, for sure. Um, hopefully the uh, the Rockies give us Trevor Story for um, Antoine Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was part of part of my uh, on my heater moment on Twitter last night. I said Story was going to be a Brewer at the deadline, and we would be coming for Walker Buehler in Game Seven of the NLCS, taking him for six runs, and he could take his tweet. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Walker Buehler um, for a second here. What the hell? Like, what what kind of shot was that out of nowhere? We have some. We all of a sudden have some beef with Walker Buehler now, right? It was a quickly deleted deleted tweet. Yeah, I don't know if some where you saw that that screenshot, but basically he was chirping the Brewers like, "Hey, Justin Turner was never going to sign with Milwaukee." It's like, let's just relax there, buddy. We took you seven games a couple years ago, and that right. was you can take your tight pants elsewhere. <laughs> but I do, 
I do think this brings up an important topic uh, that I would like to touch on a little bit. And it's the fact that the Dodgers payroll is now north of like 240 million. And it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens in the new CBA. And I'm not going to attack an owner or an organization for spending money. That's ultimately what I want. They'll never side with these billion dollar owners, but for a team like the Brewers, that's actively trying to compete and win. We are going to go into the season with the Dodgers having triple our payroll. There has to be something done there to make this more of a competitive field across the board. And I'm, I don't feel sorry for the Pirates, a team that's, you know, just essentially giving up and cutting payroll. Like there needs to be some floor, but for teams that are small markets and they're trying to compete, trying to compete with a $240 million payroll is just not fair. Yeah, it's, it's pretty insane. I mean, there's no other American, you know, the big four, if we're including the NHL, that allows for that big of a discrepancy. Right. Um, the NBA, I think, has it uh, has a pretty solid where you get taxed pretty heavily with the luxury tax and everyone's pretty much, you know, running with the same payroll. But, yeah, it will be interesting how to make this a little bit more competitive because although you haven't seen the, those dynasties in baseball, um, the Dodgers might be at uh, a beginning of an empire here, kind of like you saw with the Yankees in the early 2000s, where they're just going to, like, you don't hardly stand a chance against them. <laughs> so, yeah, that's interesting. And uh, we can talk on one more piece of MLB news. So the baseball um, is apparently going to be deadened uh, this year. Um you guys have anything on that? And it'll be interesting. I guess in spring training, we'll get a better idea of the the overall effect on on this. But uh, yeah, I don't know if they're trying to put more balls in play or what the deal is. But personally, I like ding dongs. So yeah, I've, I mean, I, we probably won't find out until we kind of get some like pitchers talking to the media and how different the ball is, you know, how pitchers are with how the feel is. I mean, that's all they right. do is hold the base <laughs> in between starts. They just hold a baseball in their grips for three and a half hours. Um, not including at home, but uh, I mean, I think they're going to, those dudes are going to be the telltales for us. Um, we'll guess we'll be able to see it firsthand with how many ding dongs there are in spring, but. Right. Yeah. I don't know if I want to watch baseball, if the MLB leading home run hitter ends up with like 30 home runs this year. Uh, maybe it bodes well for a guy like Brett Anderson and some of those contact pick pitchers that we have. Um, but it'll be interesting to see again, kind of how that plays out. I would hope that if it is bad and, you know, it's becoming a one zero two to one type games across the board. Um, Manfred just keeps striking out left and right with these moves. I just, Oh man, we need to have an episode where we just rant at Manfred because I think everybody can agree that he is the worst commissioner possible. Well, it's just crazy. There's so many like spring training is the first spring training game. The Brewers play the white Sox in 10 days. And like all these rules are getting finalized like 10 days before you guys start spring training. It's like, how is this big of a league and corporation still have so many rules in flux right now? Right. And, and just to add to those rule changes real quick for the fans at home, um, you're going to see seven inning double headers again this year. Those are not going away. Um, the, in the extra innings runners will start on second, which I thought was interesting. I, I, at first I was skeptical of that and was like, man, that's not baseball at all, but it really brought into some interesting strategies into play. And in part of me kind of enjoys it. I mean, to be honest, I, 
I really get sick of the 18 inning games where you're just constantly, and I'm the biggest baseball person there is, but the 18 inning games when you're just begging guys to get on and then you just can't get them over and it's just back and forth of just boring baseball. I kind of like the strategy that, that that brings into play. So we got the runners on second again. Um, they're adding stricter COVID penalties. We had some problems last year. A um, couple Indians pitchers were out, you know, partying and things like that. So there's a stricter COVID penalty if you get caught breaking curfew and things like that. So, um, yeah, a lot of rule changes, you know, that are still kind of being implemented right before the season kicks off. So, yeah, Mitch, I'm kind of with you on the the long, like 18 innings game, 18 in games. I felt like me and you were up till like two, three in the morning watching a rainy game in Pittsburgh um, going to bed at like three 30 in the morning with my heart rate at 150, um, just cause we wanted a thrilling walk off by like a pinch hitter. Cause they ran out of, or, a, uh, a pitcher winning the game for us. Cause we ran out of players to play. So yeah. Now that, now that you're a dad, you can't be up at 3am screaming at the TV at a one, one game. So um, I'm going to tape that kid's eyes up. open. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I don't, I don't really care about the extra inning thing. It's like, just decide on what you're going to do with it and keep it that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, just choose one or the other and just keep it. People get used to it. Uh, now there's some like baseball hardos and traditionalists that get super all out of sorts about those type of things. But in all honesty, I could, I don't really care. So that's my take. I know it's an exhilarating one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the NHL kind of does it where they go to shootout right away. And then in the playoffs, they just keep playing overtime. So we kind of follow them a little bit, I feel like. Um, cause the playoffs yeah. will obviously they won't have that rule, but, um, yeah, yeah. postseason is one thing. Um, yeah. so cool that, uh, that kind of sums up the MLB news. Um, Rob Manfred do better. Um, that's what we have there. Um, cool. Let's, uh, let's finish up here. I think, um, someday we can talk about uh, a little bit more spring training and 25, 26 man roster talk and some of the position battles, but, um, let's spend you know 10 minutes here talking about the the Brewers rotation and some of those expectations from guys not named Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Uh, we've talked a lot about them and expect a lot from our two aces um, there. Um, but what are what are you guys excited to see and who are you looking to step up between the likes of Lauer, Peralta, Hauser, and Limblum? Um, Mitch L, I'll let you start on, you know, who can we expect as a potential breakout guy who can, uh, you know, improve upon what they've done in the past here? Yeah, so a lot of the Brewers writers have been pretty high on Lindblom. Um, he kind of started to figure things out after his rough start last year. So it seems like the consensus there is Lindblom is uh, the arm that they expect to bounce back. But the guy that I want to talk about, and he really bursted onto the scene, and last year he really struggled, uh, was Adrian Hauser. I think the Brewers' rotation will be elevated <clears throat> from a good rotation to a great rotation if we can see the Adrian Hauser that we saw in 2019. He was a sub four ERA guy, a sub four FIP guy, and pretty much was a legit solid arm. Um, last year, he struggled a bit with early in the count, you know, getting ahead, throwing strikes, and he just kind of had to throw a lot of get me over fastballs that, you know, caused him to run into trouble. 
Um, I don't have the stats in front of me either, but I also feel like Hauser ran into a lot of bad soft contact luck. There were so many times where he would get, you know, he would be cruising and he would get two outs and then he would walk a guy and then there would be an infield single and then someone would square something up and he's given up two runs um, with only giving, you know, one, one hit out of the infield. So Hauser's a guy for me that I really like. If he can continue to locate, he has a lot of movement. He's a mid-90s fastball guy. Um, so we're Team Hauser over here. I mean, the stuff is there for him. He was like 85th percentile in exit velo last year. And you're right about the infield hits. I feel like that was the story of the 2020 Milwaukee Brewers. We just got killed by little choppers that died in between the pitcher and third base. Slow roller, so short. I mean, just – those are just killers, especially in MLB. You get those big boppers up and they run into one and it's just three, nothing really quick. Right. Yeah. Um, I agree with you guys on that. Um, Hauser in a lot of places is being picked as a, a Brewers breakout and we could really use between Hauser and Limblum for one of those guys to really step up and um, provide a, you know, solid starts when you're bridging the back end of that rotation here. Right. Yeah. Um, his one other thing on Hauser, you know, I was just, I had a hunch and I just looked it up here while we we're talking. His soft contact was up by almost 7% last year. Meanwhile, his ERA and his FIP and everything else ballooned. There's a lot of bad luck from, from his outings last year. So I suspect we're going to see our 2019 Hauser back, which would be huge for us. Yeah. And it's, Limblom and Hauser are kind of the two guys that you look at because pretty much Brad Anderson is what he is. Um, and it's, that's nice. You need those guys. He's steady. Um, I don't think we're going to have an all-star season from him. Um, but I also don't think he has the, as low of a floor as Limblom and Hauser did, as we saw last year when they were in the like five plus ERA range granted in a two month season. Um, but here's a, here's an interesting tweet that stuck out to me on Limblom. And this is from Roto Baller MLB, um, I think a, a fantasy baseball site that kind of looks at pitch usage and um, all of those kind of advanced stats. But um, he said with uh, with some tweaks that he says Josh Limon could be a star. Um, and it says that his WRC plus with his slider curve and splitter were all off the charts uh, while his fastball just got absolutely killed last year. Um, when he threw his fastball, the WRE, WRC plus was over 165. <laughs> hey, Lindblom, you're probably going to need a new elbow, but just give me sliders and curveballs and just bust up that arm. <laughs> so no, yeah. no, fa no fastballs got it. <laughs> and I know he took it to heart that he wasn't a part of any playoff innings. Um, I think he's used to be counted on as the guy. He got used to that when he was overseas playing ball when he won – uh, basically like the MVP or the Cy Young version of what they have over there. Um, so I think between Lindblom and Hauser, we could have a, a solid three and four in the rotation there. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on, on Eric Lauer? Um, with Brett Anderson getting signed, is this a guy that is 100% going to be on the opening day roster um, and, you know, do some of the piggybacking and maybe some bullpen work? Or is this a guy that we want to keep – um, stretched out that will start the year in AAA and come back up, you know, first injury or first time we need a spot start. Um, he's kind of, kind of the guy lost in this mix right now, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to be one of those guys, like you just said, 
start out in triple a i mean depending on how his spring goes um it's like he's got two options left still um i mean spring training is gonna be huge for a lot of these guys i mean yeah they're gonna be back with fans at least partial partial fans but get the blood flowing a little bit um but I, my expectations aren't too high on him. I don't know if Mitch, if you have any nugs on him, but um, wasn't super impressive last year. I mean, he didn't throw a ton. Of, it looks like he threw like eleven innings for us. But yeah, yeah. I don't know, he's he a big time his, wild card. He if he wants to be a consistent piece in the rotation, he has to get his command under control. He was walking guys left and right. I think his walk percentage was like fifteen percent, which is really high. Um, so I could see him easily starting in AAA, working on command. Um, and then, you know, like you said, with, you know, going from a 60 game season back to the normal 162, um, there's going to be injuries. Injuries are going to happen with arms and guys are going to need more rest. So he's definitely going to get an opportunity. Um, but yeah, I could see him starting in AAA, um, you know, until he gets his command under control. He's still a young pitcher. Um, he's a very young arm, but yeah, it's just, it's hard for me to look at Lauer and even Urias, and I hope both of those guys succeed, but seeing the success that Trent Grisham had in San Diego last year and seemingly watching him blossom into a superstar, it's like, Lauer, man, I hope hope to God you're a Cy Young, but it's always going to be this sour taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think on our next pod, we'll talk more about the, the left side of the infield in depth and probably do a, a deeper dive on Urias, but yeah, um, I think that, you know, unless things majorly turn around with both of those guys, that will go down as um, Stern's one of his worst moves in all likelihood. <laughs> For a guy that's been pretty perfect, I mean, most of the moves he makes, uh, he's been an incredible GM and president of baseball operations, so I'm so lucky to have him, but yeah, that's kind of the one, especially with seeing how good our team is and, you know, where things stand, just having Grisham in this lineup would just be what it could have been. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That would, uh, would have helped out, you know, you allocate some of those assets, like spending 20 million for two years of Avi Garcia um, and just plug in Grisham there and use that 10 million elsewhere. <laughs> it just seems, right. I mean, hindsight's 2020. Anyone can sure. hindsight at least yep. uh, be a GM of a baseball team. So, those, the best, those being, the best thing about being a fan is you can never be wrong because you can always go, Well, hey, the move worked out, Stearns is awesome, or it didn't work out. You know, think what we could have had. So, that's what's nice about being a fan. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, I think that concludes it here. Um, if everyone can go follow us at, at Terrace Talk M-I-L. Um, we'll, we'll be tweeting quite a bit here as spring training gets ramped up and I'm sure council starts doing some interviews. I saw some managers doing some today, so I'm sure council will get in front of um, the cameras here soon and we'll learn more about um, how he sees the team and roster as we move forward and start a spring. It's pretty exciting times. Um, like I said, first spring game here um, on February 27th against the White Sox. So it's uh, quickly approaching. Cool, guys. Well, we'll see you someday. Um, everyone have a good one. Go crew. Go crew.